are you sure you're not going to get fired or well, you're not going to get I'll me just, fired? I'll just, they'll, they'll, they'll understand. It's not like we're sitting here like drinking beers and like, ah, oh, screw the boss. I mean, we're doing a show <laughs> that's for Peacock here. I mean, you did just say screw the boss just on the, on microphone. Oh, yeah, baby, I'm still here. The boss did not screw me and fire me. That's right. I made it. He understood that it was strong content being made for the Peacock and NBC. We are here. It's week eight NFL season Sunday night. It's 1025 p.m. My man Ahmed Farid is here. What's up, big guy? How are on? you? You doing Good? all right? Good. Feeling fresh, spry? Feel not, not as fresh as I was last week. Okay, a little, da- little down. Yeah, bib. Sounds we were, like maybe had a little celebration on the road last we, night. Yeah, we were in Madison, Wisconsin, right. watching Ohio State take on Wisconsin. Sure. And I came in to the truck like three days before the game, and I was like, I'm going to make a proclamation. Wisconsin is going to cover in this game. I go, definitely. Right. And I was like, they may win this game. Yes. I was like super confident. Yeah. And they ended up covering by a half a point. Wow. So I was right it was 24-10 there. 24-10 was the final? 24-10. Okay. It was 14 and a half. Was All right. The, look uh, at you, Johnny the, the Shark. So I, yeah. I got Did you lay down some money on I, it? No, I'm not a gambler, so uh, I didn't do any okay. of that stuff. All right. Um, but it actually was it, it was cool to see Madison, Wisconsin, my first time seeing a game yeah. at Camp Randall. Right. They did jump around between the third and fourth quarter, which was awesome. Oh, that's it seems like an all-time college moment. It was really cool. Yeah. And we got to see Marvin Harrison Jr. ball out. That's right. A couple touchdowns. He'll be, I, I, he could be, I think he'll be top five yeah, in the draft. I would say least. so. That size, that speed, route runner, got it all, right? Yeah. He's definitely pedigree. NFL, big time, what everybody is looking for at the position because yeah. he can play outside and win. And then he looks like he could play the slot, too. So he's going to be able to yes. do both of those he things. He did do both last I, night. Right. So that's where he's really impressive that way, like you said, with his pedigree. Hey, I like the quarterback, too, Kyle McCord. He's a guy that's worked with my dad and my brother a little oh, bit has. growing oh, up. St. Joe's, Philly, New he'd Jersey. come up, work with them a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, there's a little connection there. I'm rooting for him, but good for Ohio State, good, for, good win there. Yeah, it was fun. So I was out there having fun in Madison while you've been grinding, watching how many I was games. having fun last night, too. What'd I mean, you do? Yeah, I mean, I was watching college football. Okay. I threw back a few drinks. Uh, you know, I did. I, you, know, I, you know, earlier in late, early evening, I found my way, you know, to a daddy cigar. So I had a good <laughs> night last night. I had a great time, just yeah. like you did. Yeah, we were uh, both having yeah. a good time. Got to sleep in a little this morning and then started the long day. And, of course, 1 o'clock today was like – you know, a frenzy when there's nine games on all at oh once. Oh my god! Uh, as you know, I I write my notes. I try to stay up to date with everything. Uh, but when there's nine of them, it's hard. But I think we got a good, pretty good feel on on all of them, and should be able to. Yeah. Uh, educate the listeners here. At some point in the day, they said, what do you think of that Jaguar-Steelers game? And you go, they played? <laughs> did they both play? <laughs> I know. It, it was so hard. I was going back and trying to catch up through highlights and red zone, too. And so I think we got a pretty good plan here. I think we're good. We'll yeah. touch all the games that's our promise to you each and every Sunday. So here are the categories. Uh, contender concerns. we got some statement wins out there, taking care of business, quarterback injuries. we got the Will Levis category. So that's a mystery and who's going to be in that one. Uh, we'll also have give me the headlines, a quick Thursday night football recap, and a Monday night football preview. That cool. is what is Sounds like on the game plan here today. So we don't need to worry about the Sunday night football update this week. It's twenty-seven-seven Chargers. Okay, they're going to beat the Bears. The Bears play man-to-man every play. They don't ever back out of it. Ooh. The Bears should have had a touchdown on the first play of the game. I don't know why that it was never challenged. Why Darnell Mooney stopped running? Uh, that certainly could have made the game a little different. But like Herbert in the offense for the Chargers on fire, total control of this football game. Hard for me to think 
Tyson Bajan, as, as impressed as I am with him, yes. that he can bring them back 20 points on the road. We know the Bears passing game is not exactly you know, something to brag about quite yet. Uh, and, yeah, they now have been stopped on fourth and one on their own territory. Yeah. So this one is officially over. You won't hear another update. Secret Bajan man, Secret has, been, man. has been exposed. He, he's <laughs> definitely been exposed. They didn't get this game ever into a style of play that they felt like fit the Bears. So we could just hit this one right now. Sure. The fact that they got behind so quickly, so early, right, they didn't let their run game kind of take over the game. They want to run the ball, chew up the clock, get up 7 nothing, 3 nothing, whatever. That's what they had a chance to do early in the football game. That's where I feel like Eberflus and company kind of messed up, not challenging that a little. Uh, but either way, you know, their defense hasn't been able to make a stop the whole night, and uh, Herbert and company have had their way. Yeah, kind of a get-right game for Herbert, right? That's right. At this point, he yeah. has 27 of 33 for 253 yards. Kind of good. Who knows how much they'll throw the ball going forward. Yeah, they'll be conservative going forward You weren't forward super here. concerned about him the last no. couple of weeks, but no. he probably needed this, and the team needed it. I agree. They needed it as a team. He has, like, been real good you know, watching him on film this week to prepare for the game, uh, but not, like, great like we're used to Justin Herbert. He definitely has missed a few throws here and there, had a few mistakes. But also, you know, like we talk about with everybody, you know, there's a lot on Herbert every week. They don't really run the ball. They can't play defense. You know, they have good receivers, but I wouldn't say they're great. And, you know, so a lot's on him to stand in there. Teams know they're going to throw the ball and make big throws constantly. And so when he does miss one, it kind of – has a you know a bigger shock value because usually they're playing from behind or we go oh he missed that we know their defense isn't very good that team's gonna go down and score now so it kind of magnifies his misses maybe more than other quarterbacks all right mark that one off that's We've one done, done. Our first one Sunday one night football done. recap fourteen more to go <laughs> we go to the contender concerns ooh do we have some concerns with other teams that we did not think we'd have concerns about. The Chiefs go down in the biggest shocker of the day. The Broncos beat them 24 to 9. That was a 16 straight game win streak that the Chiefs had against the Denver Broncos. Snapped. 13 straight versus the AFC West. Snapped. Six overall. Snapped. So it's Denver's first win versus the Chiefs since 2015, back when Peyton Manning yeah. was their quarterback. Their quarterback now, Russell Wilson, threw those three touchdown passes. So five turnovers for the Chiefs. Is that basically how this happened? How, how did this go down? It, 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 it did. Turnovers, settling for field goals in the red zone, that being an issue. Yeah, sloppiness by the Chiefs. Really outplayed in, in all areas of the football game. We've had concerns about the Chiefs. We've said this a little bit. Right, I, we, you know, let's we're three or four weeks in, maybe five weeks where we've gotten the offense, the offense. You know, there's not a lot of plays within the rhythm of the offense, the normal rhythm of the offense. The thing that concerns me about the Chiefs, right? I know they put up a ton of points and yards last week against the Chargers, mainly in the first half. I get that, but even going back and studying the Chargers game for Sunday Night Football, there's very few where it's like, hey, you know how we talk about quarterback play: one, two, three, four, five step drop. Oh, get it out! One, two, three, four five-step, first hitch, oh, the guy's not open, move on to the second guy, oh, he's open, boom. But the Chiefs, it's not like that very often. It's not. You know, a lot of it is Mahomes floating around, waiting for somebody to get open, and then he makes a play. But I don't know if that you know, is going to be a, a viable way to keep winning throughout. I know they're going to become a one or a two or a three seed in the AFC playoffs. I get that. I'm just saying the current formula, I don't know if they can win the Super Bowl that way. But this game, Ahmed, yeah, they were – this was like, oh, yeah, we went to the World Series on Friday night. All right. We kind of, and, man, we got sick. 
All right. Mahomes is the man. You know I love Mahomes. I did not love seeing him in Texas on a Friday night when he had an away game in Colorado on Sunday. That wasn't like, oh, wow. I was like, why is he doing that? It was strange. Right. Little, but yes. Right. And then he's sick today. So that didn't help out. OK. But the game started with a great punt return by the Denver Broncos that set them up for the first TD. Um, you know, Mahomes made some magic. They did OK. Then he gets a completion to MVS. MVS fumbles when you kind of feel like, oh, they're on the move again here. They're going to have a chance to make it 7-7 six or maybe go up 10 seven that doesn't happen and hey uh russell made a handful of big plays in the game the very next drive was really the biggest one he had two big passes to judy one became a touchdown so all of a sudden they were up 14 to three and yes you know it was a day where the chiefs offense was spotty and it, that was enough to you know, again, the red zone troubles. Mahomes throws another interception. Mahomes, as they're driving, kind of loses where he's in the pocket. He makes a few people miss. Somebody finally gets there from behind. Strip sack, fumble. So it was one of those days where the Chiefs were frustrating. We go, they could have been better. It kind of looks like they went into the game a little too confident or whatever else. Mm-hmm. It was a big game for the Broncos. They're sick of hearing about the losing streak to the Chiefs <laughs> and all of that. And credit to Vance Joseph. Because the D, again, it was four weeks ago, there was 70 points, right? They've played the Chiefs two out of the three last three weeks, and they've let up 28 points total in the two games. And the 19 in that Thursday night game were not easy. So they've done the right things there. Goodbye, Vance Joseph, kind of you know figuring some things out there. And having said all that, I was watching this game, and it was... 14 yeah. to 9. Right. After that blocked field goal. Remember that? Right. And it looked like Kansas City was going to take over. There was a third and five, and Mahomes just overshot Justin Watson on the sideline. Could have been a huge play. That would have got him down by the goal line. We're talking late in the third quarter yes, here. Yes, right. You get there, you make that play, you take the lead. It's, it's a completely different ball game. Now, Denver did not take advantage after, um, after that possession, after that punt. But then the next punt, the punt was muffed, and then it was like they recovered in short field. Right, and pump. McCole there. Hardman fumbles the punt on the yep. five-yard line. They go in, I think, two-play drive, touchdown, 21-9. And if I remember correctly, too, the Chiefs drive the ball right down the field. They have a fourth down around the 25-yard line. He throws a great pass to Sky Moore in the back left corner of the end zone. Would have been a tough catch. But still a catch you expect NFL wide receivers to make, and you go, oh, that game would have been different there. Either way, they didn't come up with that opportunity. But I think you kind of said it, I said it, right? You know, it, it's, it was sloppy. It was yes. sloppy. The Broncos did a good job of taking care of the ball. They ran the ball well, or I should say they were patient with the run. That chewed up some clock. They were okay on third downs. But, yes, three for ten on third downs for Kansas City, 275 yards of total offense. That's not a Kansas City day. And then you add on five turnovers to go with that. Yeah, bad day by Kansas City. Uh, definitely going to have to get back to the drawing board on that one. We'll let Plug and Play 16 get a word in on the pod here. He says, Chris, Ahmed, Pete, Kristen, and crew, and that does include Gabby, Morgan, and McKenzie here on a Sunday night. Uh, he goes, damn okay, Denver Broncos, big signature win for Sean Payton heading into the bye, and what a performance by Baron Browning. Two sacks, forced to fumble, relentless, love the pod, have a good night, go Broncos. Hey, you the man, thank you. You have a good night too. And, but this is why Randy Gregory's not there anymore. This is why 
Frank Clark is not there anymore. They got these guys and Barrett Browning and uh, Bonito coming off the edge that are that are their future. These are the next guys right now. Yeah, you know they're they're going. No, no, no. We got the future here. Frank Clark, Randy Gregory, you're good, but you know you're kind of on the end of your career here. Uh, so they got some young talent to kind of play with there in Denver, and yeah, good for them. That was a it was a signature win for Sean Payton. And even though Russell Wilson wasn't pretty, you know, got touchdowns and didn't have the big blunder towards the end of the game or anything like that that we've seen a few times this year. Yeah, that kind of solidified the win for the Broncos. Shout out to Georgia too, who was in today. So part of our crew is a little bit under the weather yeah. today because they were at the World Series probably with. Oh, they were Mahomes hanging out with Kelsey, Mahomes. Perhaps. Right. Look at that. They're getting everybody sick. I don't want to make don't any allegations. Don't bring that stuff to here, okay? Uh, congratulations yep. to the Denver Broncos. That is a signature win, the first one for Sean Payton at the helm. The Bengals are back. Whoa. They beat the 49ers 31-17. Oh. They have won four of five games since starting the season 0-2. So is it true? Yeah. Is Joe Burrow back? I think he's back. I think I would officially say he's back after he's back. this one. I've been like – I know in other games I've been like, eh. They're close, or yeah. I like some things, right? We're like, he's back with but, a question mark, but now but we're like, he's now back. we're like, no, he's back, and like three exclamation points. Like the other one was like question mark exclamation point. We're not sure. We think whatever. Um, by far the best the Bengals looked all year. By far, this game was not even. This game shouldn't have been as close as it was. I mean, the Bengals missed a chip shot field goal. The Bengals fumbled at the one yard line once, going into score on a little like pick play uh, by Irv Smith, the tight end. Um. It was a fun game to watch. It was. It really was. It was right? like heavyweight offense. It was for a heavyweight, good right? Of the game. I mean, Burrow was great. Brock Purdy made a number of big time he throws did. and plays too. I know we'll talk about some of his mistakes and all that, but damn, he made some plays too. But I still think the star of the day was the fact that the Bengals protected Burrow pretty well throughout. Right. I know it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't a day where it was like, oh, if he doesn't throw to the first guy, he's gonna get his head knocked off. Right. I mean, it wasn't that. But that was good. His movement. That's where you go, he's back. I mean, his ability to move and buy some time or scramble or get out of the pocket or whatever, you know, those extra few things right there, that's a huge weapon for their football team. Is there a reason we've been calling him a slippery son of a bitch for the last three, four years, right? I mean, he's amazing, though. He's got six cents in the pocket. And then, you know what we saw today? And, you know, I knew this was a tough matchup with the 49ers. I've been saying it all week. I didn't have the guts to pick the Bengals, right? But like we saw... The week before with the Vikings against the 49ers, and we broke it down a little bit on the pod last week. Yeah. You know, Zach Taylor, he's kind of from that McVay-O'Connell coaching tree. You know, I'm going to be interested to watch this back because they seemed like they had all the answers for the 49ers zones once again. Hmm. The 49ers want to play zone almost all the time. And you give Joe Burrow a little time, he's the best zone quarterback in football. You heard me say that last year. I've never seen anybody who can read the zone quicker, make a quicker decision, move people with his eyes, and then come back to a guy. He diced them up. I mean, at one point in the game, I want to say he was like 19 for 20 or something like that. I mean, it was something ridiculous. It's the 49ers we're talking about. And what that did, I mean, him – picking apart the zones, doing that. They had a little success running the ball. And then what happened? We saw the 49ers get a little scared. They go, damn, he's going to pick us apart all day. we got to play some man. And then all of a sudden, a big play or two happens to Jamar Chase down the football field. You couple that with the Bengals' D that we know is really well coached, game plan specific, creative, all that, right? They forced a few turnovers. Uh, Bengals, yes, I think that 
off the bye week, look like they've turned the yeah. corner for the good here and they're going to start looking like the team we thought they would. So Joe Burrow has eight touchdowns, two interceptions during this three-game winning streak, had those three touchdowns today, and that does take us to Inside the Numbers, powered by AWS. Dramatic pause just to get into it. Uh, closer look at Joe Burrow and the passing chart here. So the numbers say this. He completed 28 of 32 passes, 283 yards, those three touchdowns, generating a career high of plus 17.8 completion percentage over expected wow. in the Bengals win. Wow. So they kind of look at the difficulty of pass, where the receiver is, where the defender is. How often should that pass be completed? He completed about 17% more than he should have. In there this game. was definitely some tight window throws he made. Uh, but, but like, you know, again, where I think, hey, the general public sometimes, you just go, oh, yeah, another throw, another completion. Guys like me and Jason Garrett, when we're watching – you know, those that's those some of the throws he made and that I think these stats are talking about. That's where, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm the most trained eye in the world, but it's those throws that go, oh my gosh, where, you know, I try to tell people like some of the throws we see from Mahomes or Josh Allen or Herbert or whatever. It's next level throws. It's not just like, oh, that's another completion over the middle. And yeah, some of the throws he made today just kind of feeling a receiver going into a second window and you'd see Fred Warner or somebody dive in and you're like oh my gosh he got it in there holy cow uh really really well done and you know like I said not not only protecting well enough but then also moving the 49ers off the ball in the run game too so yeah. it wasn't like they could just play pass after play after play after play uh he looked really great today yes. and it looks like they've gotten a rhythm in the offense and they're they're at least short passing game and throwing the ball to jamar chase and slowly but surely what are we seeing we're starting to see everybody else start to get involved and the whole offense is starting to you know cycle and really look awesome out there yeah joe mixon looked like his old self right? 16 well, carries hard. 87 yards over five yards per rush we have something else on joe burrow here too because it wasn't just you know finding the guys at short distance and hitting the windows inside of 10 yards. It was the plus 10-yard air yard throws, Yeah, uh, plus 10 air yard throws that really were significant for Joe Burrow. You see what he had done in weeks one through four, just completing 28% of those passes. But weeks five through eight, he's completing 60% of those passes, four touchdowns on such throws. Didn't get to play in the preseason. Didn't get to practice at all, all through training camp, right? You know, really was limited even early in the regular season with how much he could practice because of this damn calf injury. I think you're seeing Joe, Joe finally get into the, like, okay, I'm, I'm in the groove of the season just like everybody else, let alone like we've talked about. When their offense starts to get a feel for how defenses play, they start to, you know, oh, wait, they play this? Okay, we got these plays we like in this coverage. Joe gets them in it. They execute the right way. They add a wrinkle or two every week to now here we are four weeks later, and you go, okay, hey, there's a few wrinkles in the offense now, right, the things that were annoying me a little bit and yeah I think Burrow also what adds to that stat is his movement again too you know a few times sliding in the pocket or getting out of the pocket now the linebackers get sucked up because they're worried about tackling him boom he throws it behind him uh, but he was feeling it today yeah. and he answered the bell in a big way their whole team did and of course that goes even to the defensive side as well that was inside the numbers powered by AWS one final thing we have a request from Bozeman Baker, a homie out there. Bozeman, hey, welcome to the show. He says this to us. Pete, do we have the tweet? Can we bring up the tweet here? He goes, enough. Between Sunday Night Football, Pro Football Talk on Peacock, Chris Sims is broadcasting for NBC at least six days a week during the season. Feels like more than that. Even. <laughs> Until Chris can prove his ability to pronounce the Bengals correctly and not as the Bengals, please suspend Chris Sims 
without pay. Damn, you want to suspend me, Bozeman? Look at this. Look at this photo. He he made this photo himself. It is you. If you are listening, damn, to you want to suspend me? All the love I, I'm always talking about the Bangles. Yeah. I love Joe Burrow. The, I mean, I'm be cool with the Bangles girls though. Don't worry, I'm cool with that. You're not embarrassing me. I'll try to work on it. I don't mean. I grew up saying no, the no, damn no, word. No. It's your thing, Bangles. Uh, it's bangles. your thing. You've been bangles. doing it for so bangles. long now. You bangles. have to just do it. <laughs> bangles, big play, Bangles. All just right. Rolls off well, the hey Jefferson Baker, thanks for <laughs> tuning or tuning in. We do appreciate it. For but all damn, six want to suspend me without play? Damn. Yeah. You're kind of Roger Goodellish right there. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, the fines, the fines are are coming next. Pete says it sounds like he's having a manic Monday, which I'm assuming is a song by the Bangles. Right? <laughs> yeah, is that what that is. Yes, that is. I'm not there. Right. Pop, way to, pop way to get up with things there. Yeah, but yeah. Hey, well, other thing we got to hit on in this football game, I guess you know, you talked about Purdy. Purdy made a lot of big time throws, right? But we're seeing here the 49ers defense. Some of the D linemen are not popping the way they should, right? That's for one. That would be one of the big things in the defense. Two, I think Steve Wilkes, as I've been saying, is still kind of getting used to how the 49ers want to do and call things and putting his own little you know, style or wrinkle on the yeah. whole thing. But right? it's not like the 49ers weren't carved up by teams at times last year. No, too, no. They right? definitely went through some spots, right? There was a spot there like week 12, 13, 14 last year. Remember the Raiders? We, I think we talked about it. Yeah. Uh, with the Stetson Bennett tore them up. I mean, they've had some moments like yeah. this. They got to tinker a little bit. It is a lot of zone. And when you play that much zone and your pass rush isn't kicking butt, you play a quarterback like Joe Burrow, he's going to tear you up. You know, that's where if I'm the 49ers, I might have thought I might be thinking about, is there a corner out there I can get in, in a trade deadline this week? But we'll also see with the 49ers, you know, it, it, a little too much on Purdy the last three weeks. I think that's the other thing I come away with. You know, no Debo, no McCaffrey. I mean, McCaffrey, the running game, not quite what we know it to be. They're not dominating in that area. And now it's becoming Brock Purdy's real good. Don't get me wrong. But he's not, again, the guy that's like, hey, carry me. I get on my back, guys. If I got to throw it 30-plus times and 370, you know, I'll make it happen and we'll win the game. He'll make a lot of plays. He'll do a lot of things well. But as you saw, the two interceptions were both bad. One was going into they score. On back-to-back throws, right. too. One was going into score. One was backed up on the very next drive, yep. right? First and play. then that became a touchdown. Then that very next play to Jamar Chase. You know, he threw an interception at the end of the game and got lucky with a roughing the, call, roughing the passer call. But then he ended up fumbling the very next play after that. Yeah. My point is that Purdy's real good, but he's not John Elway yet, where you're just like, hey, carry the team here. And, yeah, the running game, no Debo, I do think has hurt them a little bit. Uh, I'm still not giving up on the 49ers, of course. You know, but, but I definitely didn't think we were going to be sitting here going to the bye week after week five when they were 5-0 and beating the Cowboys in Sunday Night Football. And me and clearly everybody just about football was like, they're clearly the best team in football. They blow a game in Cleveland where they probably should have won it. Um, but then the last two weeks, we're outplayed by the Vikings and the Bengals, and that's a little concerning for sure. It was Jarrett Stidham who tore him up, not that's Stetson right. Bennett. All right. Did I say Stetson Bennett? You did. I did. He I was did. still at Georgia, yeah. I think, at that yes, time. Yes, he was. <laughs> yes, I was, I like, man, I was like, that's Stidham. impressive. I was like, even, he, even college quarterbacks <laughs> were carving him up. <laughs> Sorry like, about Wait that. a second. Um, yep, so uh, a big win, a big win for the Cincinnati Bengals, who are back. The big play Bengals 
are back, and so is Joe Burrow. Now time to move on to the statement wins category. And I would say this is a statement win for the Seattle Seahawks, beating the Cleveland Browns by four. It had to be a comeback win for them, which in the beginning of this game did not look like that was going to be the case. They go touchdown, touchdown off of a Cleveland fumble and right. a field goal in their first three possessions. Then they basically stall out until their backs were against the wall, needing a drive at the end of the game. The defense got a stop, and then Zach Charbonnet ran off a couple good runs to get them in range. Um, Seattle got an interception with Julian Love then, and that's what really set them up for Jackson Smith and Jigba to get the screen, the wide receiver screen for the game-winning right, touchdown. Right. So they have won five of their last six games now. They yeah. have a half-game lead on the 49ers for the NFC West. Oh, boy. I know. Got are some they, things that are interesting here. Are they in pole position here now hey, for the NFC West? They're talented. They're dangerous. That's for sure. You know their defense is chaotic and causes makes plays and and does that and we know their offense has got playmakers. You know we've talked about their own line and the tackle being injured and all that. I don't think they're even playing at their best yet, but I'd be scared of the Seahawks if I was anybody else in the NFC. You know, one we know they're crazy, coached by Pete Carroll. They're chewing gum and excited every day of the week, and they're always ready to play football. Right? Are they all chewing gum? I, <laughs> I don't know, know that. I don't know. It, it just Pete. seems like they, it seems He's like you have to. He's like chew gum. <laughs> but like. You talk about a game of perseverance, really. You know, you kind of said it. Up 17-7 early, and then, I mean, after the first quarter, the Seahawks couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball for the most part. I mean, there was really nothing to speak of. And the Browns, it felt like, kind of controlled the game from that point on. And especially as we got into the, de- the second half, it was you know, the Browns seemed like they were dominating time of possession. Every time I looked up, they had the ball. They were moving the ball. Every time I looked up, it looked like the Seahawks were punting it. And, you know, P.J. Walker made a few big plays, certainly. But, yeah, his interceptions, his interception to Woolen, which was a big moment because Woolen, I don't know if you saw this play. He caught an interception where P.J. Walker had somebody open. It was either on third or fourth down. He had a shallow cross. He overthrows it. Woolen catches it. And Joku hits what, to, to me, looked like he hit the ball before he hits anything else while he's on the ground and knocks it out. I guess they deemed he touched Woolen somewhere, which now makes him down, mm. right? Um, but that was a moment where the Browns were in field goal territory or on fringe tier, so that left some points on the board, right? The strip sack early in the football game that like you talked about, that gave the short field to the Seahawks to give them seven points. You know, the Browns' defense still did some, some really good things. And then ultimately, you know, the thing that's going to be vetted is the last interception where – Hey, they're up 20 to 17. I understand they're trying to put the game away. I get that. Uh, but they throw a ball over the middle on a slant route that, you know, was a lot of people there. It's a short pass. They're trying to just, yeah, get the first down on a third and three. They're at the 41 yard line. And I can't remember who it was, but the ball got kind of tipped at the line of scrimmage. Hawkstrologer says, yeah. damn okay to Julian Love for catching the pass. Jamal, it was Adams, Jamal Adams' helmet That's deflected with say. one minute left in the fourth to give the offense a chance to win the game. I, I just, you know, two minutes, four seconds. I, I get the play call. I get it. I do. I'm not mad at that. Uh, it's just the Browns, I just want to say what, what I would always say. Just err on conservative always. Your defense is, like, out of this world good. All right, so that's where I just go. Be careful with taking chances and see. What do I always say? Like sometimes these teams think, "Oh, let's do something conservative," and they go, "Let's throw a pass 
four yards down the field over the middle. And I want to go, it's not as conservative as you think. There's a bunch of hands and bodies and like people in those situations they're playing for the short throw anyways it's not as high percentage as you think throw it 40 yards down the field and get an interception or send a bunch of people 40 yards downfield and throw someone shallow or maybe do that like you're saying take a shot maybe you get past interference if you don't so what you're going to punt the ball and you're going to make them have to drive the field to get a get a field goal um but i'm not like pissed at the play it's just Again, that was just a, a great play by the Seahawks in a big moment there and yeah. uh, kind of a shocking way. I did not think they were going to win the game, I did but they were clutch on that last drive and made a few plays, and Jigma got the touchdown. There, there was another play at the end of the third quarter. Cameron Mitchell dropped what could have been a huge pick six against Geno, and that was with the Browns up by three at that yeah, point. Right. So they could have gone up ten, and yes. so that was a huge, huge. momentum shifter potentially in the uh, other direction. So, uh, yeah, big win. Hawks Relager did also want to know how – did the Hawks manage to survive versus that Browns pass rush? Yeah, I, you know, I, I mean, well, yeah, it wasn't easy. That's for sure. You know, I think for the most part, you know, I know Gino. I saw the one pick to Emerson. He had the other one that got tipped in the air by the Maurice Hurst, right, and intercepted it, right. Um, but you know, I think he played it smart. He threw some balls away. You know, threw some balls at guys' feet when he knew, oh, it's getting a little hairy inside there altogether. But he hung in there for the most part. I think that's yeah. really the big thing. And, you know, the Seahawks, that's what I do love about them, and that's what Pete has instilled in them, is they fly around for four quarters, and they're going to make you play throughout. And even though things weren't good for about two quarters in a row, they kind of hung in there. The defense made a play, and that kind of jump-started them, and they go down and get the win. That's where they're scary. They're a momentum team that can flip it at any minute, and they got guys on both sides of the ball that can go above and beyond the scheme. And that, to me, is always scary because you got, got, got a guy like Woolen or Witherspoon, you know, uh, Jordan Brooks with the big strip sack when he came on the blitz. They got some, Jamal Adams, as we know, right? So they got some dudes over there that are going to scare any elite team in the NFL and uh, good for the Seahawks to keep battling there today. So in three games without Deshaun Watson starting, the Browns are 1-2 and two with 14 points per game, and we know that he will – get back into the starting lineup at some point in the future. Yeah, that's, a, that's I mean, all we know. That's all we, that's know. we know. I mean, at some I, point in the future, we right. think he could be back in the starting. It's lineup. all odd. The whole situation. I get that, but as I would said all last week, I'm not questioning Deshaun Watson in this this category. Like we can question with a lot of things in life or whatever else. Toughness on the football field is not a question with that guy. I, I can tell you that. Now, where I don't, where this stinks, is. Here we're going another long period of time of Deshaun Watson not playing football, and that scares me to where now he's going to get back and they're going to be like, well, we got to kind of bring Deshaun along. And you're at the part of the season where we don't want to bring anybody along, let alone our starting quarterback at this point and again, right? So that scares me a little bit when he does get back in the fold. Uh, so a loss for the Browns, win for the Seahawks, a win for the Jacksonville Jaguars, defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers 20-10. to It is Jacksonville's best start. They're 6-2 since 1999. They lead the AFC South by two and a half games right now. I think the player of the game in this one, I think you would probably agree with me, he was, uh, he was the big play guy. Travis Etienne, yes. 79 no yards doubt. on the ground. They fed him quite often through the air as well. Ripped off that big 56-yarder, 70 yards total through the air. Travis Etienne, a playmaker. and They didn't have a whole lot of big plays. They had, Evan Ingram had one, I think, later in the game. Yep. But they got just enough offense, and the defense was rock solid against the Steelers. Well, it was a typical Steelers game. I mean, it was typical. <laughs> I, it was literally like they're getting their ass whooped, and we're sitting here, and the game's fucking 9-3, to three, you know, 6-3 to three forever. I mean, th- that's where it just is incredible. It really is. 
you know. Uh, but but I'll say what I've been saying about the Jags. The Jags are impressive. They have everything. They got balance on offense. They're they're becoming more big plays in the passing game, right? ATN is one of the best running backs in football in both the run game and the pass game. He's special that way. Their defense is suffocating at times, right? Now, again, what comes down to the Jaguars, and we see this a few times this year. We saw it in the Saints game on Thursday night a few weeks ago. You saw it again here today. Just mistakes and moments where they're about to control the football game. Whether Trevor throws a horrible interception. That was bad. Right? Yeah. You saw that? It was back foot back fading foot away. Back foot fading away. It was zone coverage. I, don't, I think he thought it was man. He just threw it up. and DeMont, like He was like, here, DeMonte Kazee. In you the can have zone. the ball in the end zone. Another time they were driving and they do a shovel pass to Evan Ingram. As he kind of catches the shovel pass, he fumbles. That was another big moment in the game. Bigsby, the backup running back when ATN, they were checking him out for a little injury at one point. He fumbled. So you know, it was one of those games where you were going, wait, the Jags are clearly dominating, but are the Steelers going to do this again? Like, are they just going to hang around and find some magical way to do this? Stinks that Pickett got hurt. You know, maybe it would have increased their chances to pull magic if he was in there. Trubisky made some unbelievable plays and throws, but of course had the interceptions. And ultimately, it's the same thing with the Steelers. It's just too much on their defense and special teams and Mike Tomlin having to like, we just got to hit harder, right? They hit harder than everybody. That's just, it's hard to win in the NFL the way they're playing right now with no consistency on offense, never really a run game. And the pass game just has like moments here or there. And uh, that that definitely has to improve for Pittsburgh to to get where they want to go. Yeah, yeah, their defense broke on that long one to ETN. I don't know exactly it what happened. It was a miscommunication. The safety, the corner misplayed. It probably right. a safety. Yeah, but. yeah. It was like you know sometimes these teams like they play quarters, but if they see somebody go to the flat, they'll call it quarters trap, and all of a sudden they'll become cover two. And it's like Joey Porter saw the guy coming to the flat, and he kind of played it like that, but Kazee didn't play over the top. He kind of looked like he was playing his guy man-to-man. So definitely some sort of communication. Great job by Trevor, though, seeing it. And then ATN is smooth in the past game. He really is. Jaguars, don't get it messed up here now. The Jaguars are one of the best teams in football. As I've said, I will continue to say, they are one of the best teams in the NFL. And, you know, like I said, it's not perfect. We've been saying they're young and everything else there. But they have everything in my book to go to a Super Bowl and be that type of team. They really do. I think their youth is the only thing you question. Yeah. They outgained Pittsburgh 377 to 261. So Pittsburgh is one of two teams to be outgained in every game this season, and yet they are 4-3. and three. It's amazing. Uh, the other team that's been outgained in every game this season, who do you think it is? Oh, let me just give it a look. Let me, let me pull and pull out the teams. Let me pull out the teams. Ooh, I'm going to mid-pod trivia. Damn. All right. I'm going to say, I was going to say the Bears, but it's, I'm going to say the Giants. Not the Giants. No? Your Arizona Cardinals. Wow, it is the Cardinals. I didn't the other of, team. Or the other team. Oh, it's the on the bottom line right there. So the oh, homies. Damn, look at that. Sorry, homies. We gave it away on the on the graphic. Um, I, but, I wouldn't have guessed that with the Cardinals. They've kind of been sneaky better than you expect on I agree offense. With that. But now you think about it and you go, yeah, but maybe it's not been as good as I think. It's just being our expectations. They're, they're in there. Right. Uh, Kenny Pickett left in the second quarter with a rib injury. Uh, so we'll see how long he is out. I hope he's okay. Yeah. You know, he put the elbow, you know, like the elbow down. Yes. And. 
Whenever I see that, I always worry about labrum. So mm. it was good to hear that they were thinking ribs. Okay. Hoping he just like pulled some muscles underneath that armpit there, which can happen too. Be a little sensitive. Might make him, make him miss a game, but uh, you know, hopefully they averted disaster. So that closes the book on the statement wins category. Now we open up the book on the taking care of business category. We start with the Miami Dolphins, who defeat the New England Patriots. 31-17 was the score in this one. Tyreek Hill has 1,014 receiving yards, the most receiving yards through eight games since Charlie Hennigan in 1961. I was thinking I that, too. I thought it was Charlie Hennigan, too. I really I was, did. I was, I was, like, sitting there, and I was like, man. Damn, who did Charlie play for? He's looking like Charlie Hennigan. Well, you, we all know who Charlie Hennigan played for. <laughs> Pete, who Charlie Hennigan played for? <laughs> was it the Oilers? I won. I don't know. I'm not sure. It is AFL Oilers. It has to be an AFL. I'm going to be. I'm going to be transparent about this. I'm just learning about Charlie Hennigan and, and the, and the uh, fact I, that he don't, played. Don't worry. I've only heard the name. I wouldn't have guessed anything like that. So you're not. You're not crazy there. So there it is. Charlie Hennigan with the Oilers in 1961. Elroy Hirsch. Yeah. In Crazy Legs Hirsch. Crazy Legs Hirsch. Yeah. Don Hudson. Yeah. Another boy. Green Bay Packers in 1942. And then you got Tyreek Hill. We should get them all in a room together. I think that would be a cool room. Um, I don't know how many of them are still alive. I'm not sure I, hope, I hope all of them. I hope yeah, all of them. I don't think they are. Sorry. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I mean, we'll, Hudson we'll... was playing in 42, <laughs> so I don't think he's. I don't think he's there anymore. Kevin's body, maybe. But maybe you never he know. Maybe he's a hundred. Right? He'd be a hundred, probably. I hope he's. Pete, let's I hope try to confirm. Let's but try either to way, that. yeah, that was. Uh, he's so special. So, so Bill Belichick's supposed to be able to take away what you do best. <laughs> Eight for one twelve isn't a bad day when it comes to defending Tyree <laughs> I mean, Kill right true. now, right? You know what I think kills the 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 Patriots is like you make that manageable, but you're doing that you're not expecting. Oh wait, Waddles did it go for seven for one twenty one too? Uh, that's the problem. They did an okay okay job stopping the run. They made Tua look a little uncomfortable at some moments. But there's just not enough good players on that Patriots defense to slow that group down there right now. You know, they're a little different than they were in week two when they played the Dolphins. They were full secondary health. Matthew Don was healthy. Uche was yeah. healthy. None of these guys are there right now. So that's an issue for them as they go forward. And then even saying all that, you know, they had some chances to make the game interesting and, and competitive. You know, they're in the red zone. It's 14 to 7. Yeah. And Mac strikes again. I mean, Mac Jones has become like a poster child for – at least one of the dumbest turnovers of the week on a weekly basis right now. And they run a little, like, fake screen, throw up the field, you know, and they're thinking Jalen Ramsey's going to follow the post route. But Jalen Ramsey's smart. He's been around football before. He knows his job is not to follow the post route. So he comes off it, and Mac Jones hits him right in the chest. That was a big moment of the football game. It was 14-7, and you're going, okay, the Patriots are hanging in there. And then, of course, that became nothing. And then the Dolphins went down to get a field goal to make it 17-7. And he just kind of felt like the, the Patriots were chasing ever since that point. And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. They did some good things today, certainly. But they just don't have enough good players to hang with a team like the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, Finn Sports says, damn okay. Jalen Ramsey returning that fast from a full meniscus repair and playing that well. Arm, arm. A couple emojis out there, yeah. too. Yeah, so oh, for the Jalen's a you know, you know yeah. How much will he help that defense? He's going to help them out in, in big ways. You know, first off, they're not a huge man-to-man defense, right? But like he can do multiple things. That's the good thing about Jalen. He's kind of like a secondary hybrid guy. You know, if you wanted to go like big nickel on second and ten, he can play nickel and be a really quality tackler, right? 
He's still got great ball skills. He's got great length and man-to-man coverage and all that. Like I said in the offseason, he's really one of the top secondary players. Do I think he's one of the best island corners in football? No, absolutely not. He's down the list considerably. That's why he was only traded for a third rounder. But he's going to help them out, definitely. I mean, yes, he's smart as hell. Like I said, Fangio, for the most part, wants to play zones. He'll learn how to read routes, jump routes, do all of that, you know. And then I think their pass rush is going to turn the corner here, hopefully, with Jalen Phillips continuing to be healthy. Um, yeah, the Dolphins are, are still one of the elite teams in football. For the Patriots at 2-6, and six, it's their worst start since the year 2000. Tua improves to 6-0 and oh in his career. He owns Belichick. How about that? He owns them. That is a notch in the belt. And we do have an early front runner for costume of the year so i think we have a oh, a kid in the stands this is phenomenal in miami who was dressed as the head coach of the miami dolphins he pete do we have the stands the... but it's all right it's Pete's all right back there he's back frantically there frantically trying to pull up he's the like the wizard of oz pete he's behind a green curtain he's turning wheels and oh. plowing smoke so this is when at the after the interview right where they he ran run. in, tried to run our camera. Oh, that is and perfect. And this cutie pie right here, <laughs> which he is some cute kid. I he emulates that. it perfectly. With the same clothes. Same clothes. Same Rolex watch. Look at the wa- Rolex watch hanging off his wrist. Right, Looks at the camera, takes off. Probably a little faster than Mike McDaniel. Yeah, he might be. You know, probably a little stronger than him, too. Mike's a little frail. <laughs> oh, that is perfect. I mean, the attention to detail is, on this is, is amazing. Phenomenal. It really is. I love seeing the people dress up as the coaches. That's become a thing in the NFL. We had a There's loop, the guy yeah. in the stands I think you were thinking of yes. that dresses up like Mike McDaniel's the Miami games oh, all the time, is. too. So maybe that's what and you're And the Andy Reid's, too. Andy Reid's is perfect. That's right. We had it. I was going to say in Madison, we had a Luke Fickle. You had a, a Luke Fickle today? Luke Fickle. You look actually... Pretty close a lot, to it. A lot like There's a Luke bunch Fickle. of Ditkas in the uh, oh, the crowd today in Chicago and the in the L.A. crowd there. So that's uh, that's cool. But good for Miami. Hey, Miami, we know is real good. Yep. I, uh, how good is real good is the question. Okay. What everybody and what everybody and their mother says to me right now is, yeah, but who have the Dolphins beat? Right. That's what I get every time I go to the gym and I talk to Joey Meathead Jet fan. All right. Yeah. He's like, yeah, but who the Dolphins beat? I mean, yeah, they're good, but they're beating up on, you know, these bad teams in the NFL. I still think they're really good. Next week will be a great test in Germany against Mahomes and the pissed-off Chiefs. It'll be fun to see. Uh, That'll be a tough matchup for the Chiefs. I think Miami matches up really well with them. I, I, you know, I look at Miami's schedule with the Raiders, the Jets, the Commanders, the Titans, the Jets again. Uh, I, I have a hard time looking at it and thinking that there's not going to be a lot more wins on their schedule here. And some of the areas that we think maybe they need to get better on, defense, all that, hey, it's, it's, uh, they're going to get there. They are. I, I don't have any doubt that they're one of the better teams in football. Dolphins take care of business against the Patriots. The Baltimore Ravens took care of business once again. They swept up on my Detroit Lions last week and did not have the same margin of victory in this game against the Cardinals, just a touchdown when it was all said and done. Some garbage time points a little bit for Arizona at the end of this one. But uh, Baltimore is allowing just 15.3 points per game during their three-game win streak. They're scoring many, many points, 38 last week against my Lions, 31 uh, this week. There was a key play. Uh, Geno Stone got an interception, his yeah. third straight game with an interception right. when it was a one-score game. Right. Um, but uh, that pretty much sealed it and led to a, a short field goal. And Gus Edwards was almost unstoppable in this game. You said it last week, the Baltimore Ravens are now 6-2. and two. Uh, You talk about them as being one of the top three teams in the NFL. I think so. They got you know a little bit like Jacksonville, except there's a little more veteran battle-testedness with the Ravens. But I don't look at the Ravens as anything and going, where, where's the weakness? You tell me. 
You know, again, what you saw today, the defense was phenomenal, right? I mean, Arizona outgained the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens were not at their best. Uh, you know, they had one of those games where they were in some short fields and whatever else, and they're playing the Cardinals and probably were a little conservative knowing they were the better team, right? They were up 24-7 to at one point and kind of doing it the right way, slow suffocation, not taking chances. So what if we got to kick a field goal, right? They've lost a few games this year being a little over-aggressive. So I think they learned their lesson in that department. Still showed the ability to run the ball, as we know. But, yeah, I mean, you talked about – you know, the turnovers, Geno Stone, there's a fourth down stop around midfield. There was another fourth down stop. Um, uh, I'm trying to remember what I, when they when the Cardinals were kind of in field goal territory. Right. So the Ravens defense, size, creativity, playmakers, everything there. And, you know, the offense, not their best day. We know that. Cardinals defense is a pain in the ass. It is. I mean, Jonathan Gannon's showing that like, he's coaching that defense, and you know they got good good game plans on a weekly basis. But yeah. yeah, it felt like the Ravens a little bit got into. We know we're better than you. We're not going to mess the game up instead of trying to make big plays in the game. And I think that kind of threw them out of rhythm on the offensive side of the ball too. Good eagle eye by you too that the Cardinals did outgain the Ravens, and so now the Steelers, Pete, are the only team in the NFL. Who has not outgained? Oh, there you go. Boy, way to put it together. Look at right? you hosting the show right? and everything. Look connect at that. Connect the dots. Boom. That's what I do. That's Damn what guy I do is, is connecting connect, the dots. Connect the dots. But, here. but yeah, I, I, you know, and, and 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 you know, like it's thirty-one twenty-four. But let's let's make sure we convey this the right way. Yes. Garbage time touchdown. They get the onside kick miraculously and then kick a long field goal, right? I had the fucking Ravens to cover, and they didn't fucking cover now because they let up 10 points in the last minute and a half, okay? Yeah. So they lose that, uh, but uh, either way, yeah, I, my feelings of the Ravens don't change. As competitive as the Cardinals have been, it is their worst start at 1-7 since 2006. They are averaging just 15.5 points per game during their five-game losing streak. If it's... The most one impressive one and seven team I feel like I've I ever seen. So. Yeah, every week I'm like, whoa, they're not as good as this team, and they're kind of hanging in there. I'm really interested to see if Kyler Murray comes back next week, as well as Josh Dobbs has done, as you heard me say early in the year. You know, when they were in the early stages, surprising us, there was still plays on film. I'd go, damn, if they had Kyler Murray. That would have been a 50-yard completion. Instead, we got a check down for four or whatever. You know, Josh Dobbs, he's a great backup. He's mm -hmm. all that. But he's still a backup. And whether it's mistakes or missed opportunities for some big plays, they show up in every game. I'm interested to see what Kyler looks like in this offense because, like we've talked about, they got some weapons and some guys that are a little scary. I mean, it would break the Internet if he is traded here in the next I, few days. I know. I, 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 I can't imagine that happening, but – I don't know. It's there are so many teams trade that, deadline coming up here. There's I don't know so many teams that now you throw the Vikings in there. and Right. I don't know. So, I mean, they're just, yeah. I it doesn't know. seem like the Cardinals feel like he is necessarily part of their future. Like, I, like Isn't that the vibe you get? The vi especially before the year. I mean, I've been told by some people that I really trust throughout the NFL that they just totally have their eye on Caleb Williams, and that's sure. where they wanted to go with this, you know. But at the same time, I kind of got thought through the year here, hey, they're pretty good, and don't they want to at least see what he looks like in this offense and how they orchestrate some things here? Do you want to, you know, necessarily, what if you don't get the number one pick? And you had your eyes on Caleb Williams. How many assets are you going to have to trade to get him to get to the number one pick now? These are all things that they got to think about. Um, 
I, unless he gets traded, though, I would expect to see him next week because they okay. can't tell him not to play when he's been cleared to play and he's healthy. Right. All right, so the yeah. Ravens get the win that was more than the score indicated. The Eagles get a win that was by seven points, and this one was actually about what the score indicated, if not even closer than this. They get the 38-31 to win against the Washington Commanders who put up a good fight and were up early in this game. But for Philly, it is their fifth win this season by nine points or fewer, so they've played in a lot of these close yeah, games have. up to this point. And the formula for them once they got rolling was more of the same. We saw Jalen Hurts have his first career game with 300 yards passing and four touchdowns, no interceptions, and his favorite target, once again, that guy that can make one-handed catches, catches over two other defenders, A.J. Brown. I mean, I know we talked about Tyree Kill, but, like, this guy is – it's unreal. I mean, it's every week. It's every week. And it's not like the offense is, like – doing all these things for him where you're like he's just wide open it's just like they throw a slant and he breaks four tackles or they throw a jump ball and he's like raw i'm gonna catch it or one-handed or whatever and then dunk on you i mean he's unbelievable you know the physicality he has at receiver is is rare you just don't see that much in the nfl you know washington did some really good things I mean, it's crazy. Washington, for some reason, seems like they can block and play offense better against the Eagles than they can (laughs) against the rest of the NFL, right? Yes. I mean, what were we going to say? Go ahead. Washington's offense is fun for me to watch. It is fun. They have have so many talented skill players that – I like Sam Howell a lot. Right, when he's rolling. But early on in the game, Brian Robinson runs hard. No McLaurin, doubt. Of course, you know uh-huh. about him. Jahan Dotson. I always like him coming out. Making big plays in the past game, right? I, I mean, they, they, they have, have so many fun playmakers on offense. That's where it's like last week against the Giants. You're like, how does that offense do that against the Giants? Yeah. Right. I know the Giants D is good and all that, and we'll get to that. But I mean, at one point during the game, I feel I think uh, maybe I'm wrong. Howell was like 20 for 21. I mean, he was dicing them up. They was ha- they were having their way with the Eagles in the past game, so that was a little concerning. And as we've talked about with Philly, Philly can tend get into a little tendency of being a little simple on the defensive side of the ball, and making it a little too easy on quarterbacks altogether. But still, I think it comes back to the Eagles. The Eagles are just so damn good, you know, where it just. It feels like you can't be right defending them. That's where it really feels. Yeah. You almost just hope, like, hey, maybe we can get Jalen on a bad day. I hope we can just get a turnover because it just never feels like you can stop them. Even on this day today, like, you know, I know they made some stops, but we had Gainwell fumble, right, as they were kind of going in. I think I think he was kind of going in to score at one point. Uh, yeah, they fumbled on the five-yard line. You had mm-hmm. uh, Jalen fumble the tush-push. On the one-yard line going in, oh, they yeah. fumbled the snap, right? So there they were, and you're still going, damn, they left They still left 14 points on the board, and they still were kind of unstoppable on yeah. the offensive side of the ball. Um, Jason Garrett made this point where, and I, I think it's a great point, like the 49ers have showed they kind of need to play a certain way to win where, well, you know, it can't be too much on Brock Purdy like we're talking about. And they need to kind of get a lead and then their defense can fly around. The Eagles have shown the versatility of, like, it, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we've said we'd like to see them stay more patient with the run and stuff like that. But still, even in those games, it's not like, oh, we didn't think they could win or not do it. Still, they still make so many plays yeah. no matter what. And, uh, yeah, today, of course, the defense making plays to get them up by 14 and the big turnover – all right. I mean, Howell, as awesome as he played, you know, the interception to Blankenship. That when was, it was where it turned. That's where it turned, yeah. right? 
And that was first turnover for the game for Washington. Yeah, but by far his worst decision of the day. Right, kind of threw a ball into tight coverage as it was, let alone he threw it high right into Blankenship's arms, and that put up, you know, that put them up. What that did that make it thirty-eight so twenty-four or thirty-one twenty-four? So then it was thirty-one twenty-four after that, and the Philly defense was able to hold up for the most part. Yeah, okay, um, from that point forward. Um, and we did see uh, a variation on the tush push too. Oh, I, saw I think that. that's been, that's a big development. I saw that. You like that? Go ahead, lay it out there. You want to lay it out there? So it was like it looked like they were going to do it again. And I don't see exactly how they executed it, but they got the ball to DeAndre Swift, who just went around the edge. Yeah. Untouched. Yeah, untouched. Everybody was crammed in there. They got Hurst got the snap. He kind of tossed it out there. And, of course, all you're worried about is stopping the tush push. Yeah. That's going to make things different. That's going to make the next team go, whoa, wait, we need to keep somebody on the edge. Right? So, yeah, cool little wrinkle there today. Uh, Eagles are so damn good, as we know, and I don't even think they played necessarily their best football today. Cowboys may have played their best football today. They get a win, 43-20. to Now, the Rams did help them out a little bit with a few things, a pick six and a a block punt, two for a safety. Uh, Dallas, though, has been playing very, very well at home. They have outscored their opponents in three home games this season, 111-33. to it's their fourth win this season by 20 or more points, most in the NFL. I mean, that is, like, no, that's There's not something nothing. to be said about that. There's not, that's not nothing. That's right. It's the NFL. It's hard to win by more than one score, let alone have four games where you go, the other team isn't even, you know, fucking in our stratosphere, right? I mean, that, that is. There's something to be said about that. Yeah. I mean, there's no joke. It just shows you they have a killer instinct. You know, they're a momentum team. When they kind of get rolling and start feeling themselves, watch out, right? It's the other games that we see they have struggled in. It's when, oh, it's tight and we can't bully you and it's not, you know, a show out here and all of a sudden the game becomes ugly and you go, well, they're not very good at ugly, but they're great on the big show. And when they're at home with a little crowd noise on the field turf, they're a different football team. They are. They're fast as hell, and, of course, the crowd noise helps their D-line get off and the offensive line, you know, is a little slow getting off that way too. But, yes, you know, I, I did not expect them to steamroll the Rams' offensive line the way they did. I thought the Rams' O-line was a little bit better than, you know, previous years. But, oh, my gosh. I mean, Matthew Stafford was absolutely getting killed really pretty much early on in the football mm-hmm. game. And I know they had the long field goal drive. But, yeah, the pick six by him – very rare to see that. Throws the ball behind Cooper Cup on a little option out route right into Deron Bland's hand. Yeah. You know, and then, yeah, the punt return, which ended up in what? A safety? That was the next drive. And then Turbin returned the after-the-safety kickoff to the Cowboys a long way to give them the short field to where all of a sudden the game was 10-3, to pick six to Bland, Three and out Rams, block punt safety, return the kickoff after the safety, and all of a sudden the game was 26 to 3. I mean, it was really, it happened like that where you got, I kind of saw some things from the Rams that I was like, ooh, the Rams, they're going to give the Cowboys the offense some problems. This is going to be interesting. And it didn't even matter after that. And then that just unleashed the Kraken for the Cowboys, and that gave, made them bold. And then they started to be aggressive throwing the ball because they had the lead and they made big plays in the past game. And Dak Prescott played really, really good. Yeah, you mentioned it, uh, Deron Bland, too, the first player in Cowboys history with three pick sixes in a single season. That's crazy. And even at the halfway point, he, he can, I mean, he, he was double that. He, remember, he came in last year and had a lot of big interceptions and big plays. He, he can play on an island. He's got a feel for 
the corner position and has, has tremendous ball skills. So for Dak Prescott, his seventh career game with 300 or more passing yards and four touchdown passes, including the playoffs, that is a franchise record. So that's pretty cool if you hold a, a franchise record for the Dallas Cowboys at the quarterback position. Uh, we did see Matthew Stafford leave in the oh. third quarter with a thumb injury in this one. Um, so that is something to monitor, another quarterback injury in oh, the NFL this I mean, week. definite to monitor. The, the Rams will not be the same football team without Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford is covering in a lot of holes for that Rams football team. You know, again, we don't we don't think they're a team that's ever going to be able to just consistently run the ball on people or do anything like that. They need him and his big playability and his ability to read things quickly and you know throw pinpoint six and eight and ten yard passes. That's that's what's made them so competitive this year. Uh, but yeah, without him. That'll be a different story, and then they're going to have you know they're going to have to be really creative to figure out offense after that. Score alert! Just to put a button on it. Sunday night football is final. Chargers do beat the Bears thirty to thirteen. Thirty to thirteen. If you want the recap of what we saw in the game, go back to the rewind it and listen to it again. Go back to the beginning of the podcast. Let's go to the quarterback injuries part of the podcast. Oh my gosh, there's more of them. We've already talked about a few of them. Uh, but here are the Jets and the Giants. Of course, there's no Aaron Rodgers in this one, and there's no Daniel Jones. And then in the mid-game, there's no Tyrod Taylor oh. in this one, too, who went out with what was his specific injury? It so, was something in the ribs. A rib. He's in the hospital. Kind of fell. You thought maybe it was his shoulder or something like that. I don't know if his elbows went into his rib, the ball, whatever. I need to see it again. Uh, but obviously they're a little concerned because it sounds like he's going to spend the night in the hospital. So the Jets did win it in overtime, 13-10. to 10. And normally when a game goes into overtime, you say, well, that was a really good competitive game. But our question that Pete wants to start this with, was this game so bad it was good? Yes. So the teams combined for 24 po- uh, punts. 24 punts? Really? That's true? 24 punts. 24 punts and 23 points. They both had the ball 17 times. Do you know how hard that is? Do you know how <laughs> shitty you have to be on offense? Both teams, they get well, the ball 17 times each. You've got to be pretty bad to go negative nine like, through the air. So that's what I Giants mean. That's did. so bad, it's good. The fact that with negative nine and 2023, <laughs> is it 1823 or 1923 or 2023? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. They basically made the rules in the NFL where it's like, you, you, your team has to leave the field not to get positive yards in the passing game anymore. So that was shocking. This is heartbreaking, man. This is heartbreaking. Hmm. Okay? It's just like the Giants managed the game and played it almost perfectly. I mean, there's really not much you can look at. They had no chance with Dana DeVito. They Danny ran DeVito. The, I mean, Dana DeVito. Well, it, 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 same kind of thing. Same kind of results. Uh, Danny DeVito, DeVito, if Danny me. DeVito went in there and did not attempt to pass, he would have thrown for more yards than Tommy exactly. DeVito, who ended with negative right. one. Right. I mean, at one point I was being silly, and I was literally like, let's just kneel on the ball every play. <laughs> let's not let anything bad happen, yeah. okay? But no, you know, Saquon ran tough. The defense was absolutely phenomenal. The fact that they could, you know, they kept us in the game for that long uh, was, was amazing. And then uh, the end of the game is just a shame. You know, Graham Gano was so great last year. He's yeah. been so great. He's been very inconsistent this year. You know, Brian Dayball, they're up 10-7. He kicks a 35-yard field goal, and you think, yeah, that's the right decision. Kick the field goal, put him up by six, right? There's not a lot of time left. They're not going to go down and score a touchdown. Miss the field goal. Shankopotamus. Then Wilson makes a great play. 
I think he I can't remember who he hit over the middle on the first one. It was Wilson on the first one, but here's the kicker. It's not the completion to Wilson. They have no timeouts. It's that Kayvon Thibodeau jumped off sides. Mm. So they got the completion and the clock stoppage. If Thibodeau doesn't jump off sides, and I'd want to make sure I say this right, Thibodeau played his best game of his career today. So I don't want, I'm not trying to bag at him. He was awesome today. Yeah, a couple he really was. Yeah. He had, uh, but, but that jumping off sides in that moment, now they get the completion. They get to stop the clock. That allows them to. St- 13 seconds left, have one more chance to make a chunk play yeah. to maybe get a field goal. Which I didn't think there was any way they were going to stop the clock after that play. They hustled up there. They got I on the did, ball I, fast. I, I didn't either. I didn't, you know, 13 seconds uh, you know, from my past has usually been not enough time to have that type of completion and still get down there. But they hustled. They were all, you know, they were on it. I'm sure there was reminders in the huddle and whatever else. As soon as I throw the ball, start running to it. We got to do it. And they, they just got it off. So it was oh, 17, 17 seconds. seconds okay. 17 seconds was the line of demarcation I was always taught as a quarterback. That it was, was our kind play. of a longer developing play. I just didn't He scrambled think they, to the right. Yeah. I think he threw the ball with 13 seconds. I Maybe. think that's what we kind of got into. And, uh, yeah, good job by him. Zach Wilson, I mean, it wasn't pretty. Uh, but he made some big throws when he had to. But, yeah, here's the only thing you can question, I think, about the game for the Giants. Should they have kicked the ball off in overtime? Pete Demolitis, me and Matt Casey, we were all sitting there going, and I think Matt Casey was the one, right? He kind of looked at me and goes, do you, do you want to receive the ball here? And I said, good question, actually, right? There's a field, goal, field position game the whole game, right? And you got Danny DeVito, Danny, Tommy DeVito and yeah. at a quarterback. Yeah. Did you, you know, I think that's the one where we can go, uh, maybe we should have kicked it off, pinned them down, got field goal position, and then hope Saquon could break one run so we could kick a field goal, right? Yeah. Instead of receiving it, yeah. and we go, we really haven't moved the ball at all and forever here. We're going to end up giving the Jets the ball in good field position, and they're going to kick the field goal. And that's exactly what happened, and that was game yeah. over. I mean, your your best chance to score was through our been. defense and field position and that do that way, been. right? That's right? true. Yeah, so that, that was maybe the one thing we can question. That's a hard thing to do, though, okay? All right? I mean, because as we know, you kick the ball off, and somebody falls on a slant route, and the Jets score a touchdown, and everybody goes, what the fuck? Why the fuck would you kick the ball off to them? Now they score, the game's over. What were you thinking? I mean, it is. so that's a tough one to actually call it in the moment, but I think if he had that one back, Dayball might do it the other way. Let me get a couple of the homies in here, too. Yeah. Uh, Amiri Jet says, damn okay, Thomas Morstead single-handedly won the game for the Jets. Dude is easily the best punter in the game. He did. These guys need more credit. Yeah. He goes, is the turf to blame for the injuries? Feels like the Jets get hit with more than anyone. So he kind of took a right turn there, Amiri Jets. He wanted to get a two-for-one there. Um, what do you think about the, uh, the – much has been made about the turf. I, I know, the yeah, people, nobody seems to like the turf at MetLife Stadium. I mean, that, that's been an ongoing discussion forever, really. Um, so, I, you know, I, I don't know what to say about it. I haven't been on this new turf. It's new from last year. You know, that's where I know they've changed it over. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think that, you know, hey, this was a physical game. People were flying around. You know, what's the big injury he's talking about? With uh, Graham Gannell? Yeah. Was, was there a, was what? There a, oh, oh, the two, two offensive linemen. linemen. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. They got hurt early on. I know. You know, I didn't get a chance to quite quite see them or digest them the right way yeah. to know, right? They lost the center, McGovern, I think, early on in the football game, then lost his backup. So they were on to a third-string uh, center there. But, hey, the one thing the Jets can learn from this, too, as we know, and hopefully Zach Wilson can, yeah, make a few plays. Just – 
if you don't turn the ball over, right, the Jets, that defense, they're good enough. They're going to keep you in just about every football game. So that's, I think, the lesson to be learned there. Uh, The Jets are a more talented team than the Giants, but – Man, the, it felt like the Giants outplayed them today and let one squeak by. That's well, for sure. You called them the three-legged monster last, last year. Last year they were the three-legged so Gano, monster. Who, Pete knows he, he is hurt, right? He said he is hurt and he's going to need yeah. surgery at the end of the year. That is the plan. Okay, Daniel Jones hurt, didn't play, obviously. Right. And Saquon Barkley, I mean, he's just one leg. He's yeah. just one leg. He's just got 36 leg. carries in this one, the most in a game since Frank Gore in 2017. Ran for 128 yards. But one leg can't do it all. Can't do it all. For the New York Giants, they go down to the Jets in overtime. The Vikings go down. Their quarterback goes down, Kirk Cousins. I'm bummed about this. I'm a huge Kirk Cousins fan, partly because he gets crapped on yeah, so much unfairly. When, when they right. lose. Right. Um, it doesn't, I don't feel a like A lot of times credit. by my partner, Mike Florio, <laughs> who's a Vikings fan. He's the, one quarter, he's the one quarterback that doesn't get the credit when they win for some reason, but yeah. gets all the blame when they lose. Right. Uh, he goes down, looks like an Achilles injury. That's what Mike's saying. I don't know where that puts the Vikings. I mean, they win this game over the Packers 24-10, to 10, but it almost feels like a loss because I, I don't know how they function without Kirk Cousins no, going forward. No, I, you know, I, I don't know how much you saw us in Football Night in America, but one of the things I said was, like, he is their team. I mean, they, can't, they don't run the ball. They're not that good at defense, right? They're better, and we know that. But it's all about him and the ability to digest all of Kevin O'Connell's offense and all the things they do it every week and for him to dice you up in the passing game. And he was having one of those days once again. Total control of the football game. I'd be shocked if he didn't tear his Achilles. I mean, I'm not sitting here to, you know, I'm not, I'm not Dr. Sims here. Yeah, that's what I'm, they think. But I've been around football like. my whole life. It was one of those as soon as I saw it, I went, oh, that's his Achilles. Like it had that Rodgers look where the leg wanted to stop, but the pressure of it, and all of a sudden you see this jerk of like the heel goes down farther than it should in that moment. So, yes, that's you know a huge moment for their football team. It is. And I don't know what they're going to do here going forward. You know, th- Like I've told you, I think they're better than last year. They're 4-4. Four and four. But you know, who's out there to get? You know, I know Colt McCoy's out there. With the Titans trade of Ryan Tannehill, you know where where are they going to go? How many how much assets of the future are they going to, you know, trade to go? Oh, let's try to make a run still here this year. I mean, we all know the Vikings aren't going to the Super Bowl, right? So they have to decide how all in they want to go. Uh, but either way, yeah, it's devastating because, like you said, he's he's a phenomenal football player and been playing great really the last two years. Yeah, Jaron Hall is the rookie that came in. Not going to get it done. With him. Not going to get it done. No way. So Nick you know. Mullins is on IR. He's I think on he's IR. He's got another game before he can come back. But yeah, none of these, none of these players are going to bring you to the promised land. No, not, not none of the what? alternative. Not, not even. I mean, unless you're talking Kyler Murray, if you're going to go big yeah, on something like I mean. that, it have to be somebody like that, right? It have to be yeah, or Ryan Tannehill or somebody. I, you know, Ryan Tannehill's not as good as Kirk Cousins. I know that, but I'm just saying, at least he's proven, and we know he can play a little still and make some big throws here. But even within all that, you got to learn the new offense. Right in week nine of the NFL season, man, that's not easy either. Right? There's no oh, hey, we run the ball really good, so it'll give you some time to break in. They don't do that. It's it's, it's, you know as much as a season ender as I can remember here by a football team. Unfortunate because it kind of seemed like they were kind of hitting a stride here. Where you went, oh, the Vikings, watch out for them. They're kind of getting it going here after the win last week. Yeah, the way they look today. Right? Fun team, too. Addison's been looking good. Hawkinson, yes. one of the better tight ends in doing football. Doing this without Jeff- Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Right? The defense is doing damn well. You know, and, and really, um, 
same thing with the Packers, just to hit on them. Yeah, so right? so yeah, their worst start since yeah. 2005. They're 2 and 5 right now. I mean, their offense is non-existent. 15 points per game during their four-game losing streak. Their leading rusher was Jordan Love today yeah. with 34 yards. They haven't been able to run the ball like they thought they were going to be able to to kind of break Jordan Love in. And they can't throw the ball very well either. And you can't trust him to throw the ball. That that's exactly right. You know. The stats themselves, 24 for 41, 229, right? You know, they have the training wheels on there. And a lot of those are end-of-the-game kind of BS stats anyways. You know, they went in the half with 69 yards passing. You know, that, that's not enough. It's not. You know, and, and, you know, within this today, yeah, their defense hasn't been good enough either. You know, the Vikings, they missed a short field goal early on in the football game, too, where they drove the ball down the field. So, yeah, the Green Bay is they're in trouble. I don't see it like turning around. I don't. Uh, I want to know is I'm interested is how long are they going to ride with Jordan Love? I think that's where we're getting to at least. The it's time to question this. Not that it was bad. Yeah. It's just not that good, and you could tell by the play calling that they don't trust him with a lot of things. So they're trying to manage the game while managing him, and they're not good enough to do that right now. We talked about Sean Clifford and how awesome he was, right, in the preseason, the backup quarterback. He was phenomenal, right? Jordan loves interception today. I do. I will say for this, it was not a bad throw. Uh, Jaden Reed should have caught it. Metellus did an unbelievable job kind of taking it out of his hands, made a great return. Next play, Jordan Addison, touchdown, see you later, Packers. That kind of was all she wrote in that football game. Yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're, they have to be concerned with the way Jordan Love looks right now they have to be maybe they should have drafted another quarterback last year maybe they should have drafted will levis as we go into the will levis category as pete notes it's he just got 10, his own category yeah yeah it's a it's eleven thirty at night on the east coast right now and so we just at the, when we get to the end of it we just the, whatever the player that was big in that game gets the name the of will the category. levis category we could have put this in the qb injury category too <laughs> that's true that uh-huh. is true no uh, Tannehill. titans got the win over the falcons 28-23 was the score. Uh, Will Levis, Pete notes here, the third quarterback with four touchdown passes in his NFL debut. Fran Tarkenton also did it. Marcus Mariota also did it as well. Uh, Cortland858 says, damn okay, Will Levis really looked like Josh Allen today. Do you still feel Levis is too rocked up for the position? So, yeah, let's let's take a look at what he did in a second here, but what were your reservations about him when you evaluated him in college? A kind of a physical specimen that I felt like didn't have a great feel for quarterbacking yet or a lot of it needed some more work throwing the football like the arm was strong but it was still like I'd go I don't know how you missed that throw right you heard me say that or a little two times a little mechanical right and just or not the appropriate ball or there were some throws where you're just like wait you played too many games to throw a ball into that coverage. I think those are the things concerned me. I saw the high-end physical talent. Yeah. It's just whether I felt like he could you know, play the position at a consistent enough level, and that's what I doubted. But, damn, today will go a long way to shut some of that up for sure. You just needed to see him with DeAndre Hopkins. Then you would have changed <laughs> your it. mind entirely who had three touchdowns and over 100 yards hooking up with Will Levis. So, yeah, what, what, did, you, what did you make of the, the touchdowns, the throws? What did you see from well, him today? Well, one, he does have a presence on the football field. He definitely it does. Definitely is. I mean, he's a big stud. And, you know, yeah, is he a little muscular? Sure. But, I mean, fuck, if you're going to throw the ball like that, I don't give a damn. Do another curl. Do another tricep extension. Go for it. Because it it's big plays down the field. That, that, to me, was the impressive thing. 
You know, we know they can run the ball and do that. I wasn't sure, like, do they trust him to push the ball down the field or is this going to be, like, you know, back shoulder, we throw a fade every now and then, throw a slant, we're going to be real conservative with them. They, they kind of dialed up some home run shots. And you know, he showed his ability to, to move and push the ball with ease. I mean, one, the first throw to DeAndre Hopkins was really good. It was offensive pass interference. It was. I mean, blatant. Yeah. Like, I, if that doesn't get called offensive pass interference, then nothing's going to. But that throw was like, that was like a blimp throw. Where if he threw was a blimp, it really high. It might have hit it. Yeah. And he, that to me is the best deep ball throwers. Throw it high, let your guys go get it. DBs are DBs because they usually don't know how to play the ball, yeah. right? So he, Hopkins fighting, doing whatever, pulling the guy's head off, right? Yeah. Then it goes and gets it. That, that play... You know, hit Hopkins on the shallow cross, kept it accurate on the run, got a touchdown there. And then they had the in-cut-and-go for the other big one, right, where kind of like quarters, hey, we've thrown the backside in-cut a lot. They get the safety to kind of jump up on it. Hopkins looks like he's going to break across, and then he straightens up up the field. Boom. That was, what, a 61-yard touchdown? The most impressive, though, was the last one of the day. Hmm. When he rolled to the right, and then through the big post across the all the way to the back of the end zone to uh, Westbrook Aquina. Yeah, that was the one where I was like, okay, fuckers feeling it right now. I mean, he really is. So that was impressive. Uh, big win for them today. Yeah, Falcons four and four. I know one of the leaders in the NFC South. Their defense has been great. That's where I was kind of shocked to see Tennessee move the ball the way they did today. But you know what I want to say. You think it's Heineke time? I, I don't know how they don't have the conversation. So I, he, he started the second half here. So Desmond Ritter was evaluated for a concussion right. in the third quarter. So yes. I guess it was sometime in the right. second half. Um, he was he, cleared he, he to go back. Have, he did not have a concussion. No. So it's like they determined he did not have one and could have gone back in the game. Yeah. But, they kind of it was kind of one of those like are you hurt and he's like no yeah. they're like, you're hurt you're hurt huh huh you're hurt huh yeah. hey you're a little banged up we can see it a little hold on Heineke you get in you're hurt you're hurt yeah. You didn't get a concussion? I think you did. I'm overruling the doctor. I mean, I, it felt like they were looking for a reason to go, okay, we, it, now's our time. Let's make a change, okay? Now, I know Desmond Ritter's done some good things. We know that. But got strip-sacked early, right? That led to a, a, a short field touchdown. That led to the second Hopkins touchdown pass. Um, but m my big point is not necessarily what Ritter looked like, but what it looked like with Heineke. Heineke and their offense looked, I thought, as good as I've seen it look the whole year. You know, as far as just efficiency in the pass game, marrying it all together. Uh, so that's where I kind of like the look. You know, and, and again, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to sit here and, but uh, you know, hey, Ritter played the whole first half, three points, and some of the third quarter, three points. Heineke got in for a quarter and a half, twenty points. I don't know that. There's a little bit better there, and I just I trust him to run the offense. I'm not saying you give up on Desmond Ritter forever, but we have been saying it kind of feels like they've been winning in spite of Desmond Ritter, and I think Heineke plays better quarterback. I'm not saying he's got better pure potential, but I think right now he's the best fit for this Falcons offense. Yeah, their offense has been sputtering. Yeah, six straight games with 23 points or fewer for the first time since the 2015 season. The hard thing with Ritter and benching him here is like, then you don't want the back and forth. The know, back and forth I is know. the worst part of it. They got to give, if they're going to go with it, you go with Heineke and you give him a chance, just like you gave Ritter. Yeah. You gave him eight games and like five or six of them were like, eh, right. So yeah, if you make that switch, 
You can't go like two games and then go back to Ritter. That that's for sure. Now you kind of got to go. Hey, we're gonna let this play out and let him get his feet underneath them a little bit and see where we can go. But I just feel like they're a better than four and four football team, and they're better than like what you just said. Their offense should score more points. There's more talent yeah. there. They haven't run the ball the same because they can't back anybody off in the pass game. And we saw like Robinson with that one, yeah, the one uh, big run today. The, today for the touchdown. I mean, he's special. But yeah. everybody's playing to stop the run when they play the Falcons. But really, they had no chance to win this game because Mike Vrabel now improves to a perfect six and zero when coming off a bye. So Atlanta really had no chance, I, no I'm, matter I mean, who played a quarterback. Yeah, Vrabel's a great coach. I think Vrabel is one of the best coaches in football. And I because I don't think Tennessee is nearly all that talented, and they kind of hang in every game and every team that they're supposed to beat they beat and teams that are better than them, they hang around and make it close and I'm, I'm just a fan of him final two games on sunday for yeah. that we will go into the newspaper shop it's time for give me the headlines presented by hyundai the shop is open the shop is open the press is a printing Okay, the Saints defeat yes. the Colts. Yeah, but we don't have headlines. We need the headlines. Oh, Hurry. okay, hold on. I feel the need, the need for Shahid. I love that one. Woo, 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 woo. Almost, it almost I feel like, like if we used that before, I'm not sure. I'm we sure might have we gone have. to the well. Every <laughs> Pete says it once a week. We've probably used That's it before. That's maybe where it's on my head is Pete won't shut up saying it, so I feel like we've said it on headlines before. <laughs> so here's his line. Yeah. I, I love his line. Three targets, three catches. 153 yards and a touchdown. Basically going for 50 yards each time they threw it to him. He is one of the best big play receivers in football. Mm. He really every week. He's the number one guy you got to be scared of of that receiving core. I mean, he is special. He really is size, speed, you know. He he can do damage. Um one of those catches, okay? I want everybody to look this up at some point. The ball was intercepted. They deemed he caught the ball even though he hadn't gone to the ground and survived the ground. The guy stole the ball before that. A little loophole in the rules there, which mm -hmm. I've known before, and I've said this before. But if the pass isn't completed until you survive the ground, and now you haven't survived the ground and somebody steals the ball out of your hand before that, that's an incomplete pass and the ball's still alive. You haven't completed the process. So that is weird to me. That was a weird moment of the game. But when are you down? But – yeah, I, 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 if you're touched and you're on the that's ground, that's what I got to go look. Right, if he's touched or whatever, yeah. But are they counting that? So now he survived the catch. It's a little bit of a loophole. I need to look at it and reassess it in my own brain. It's got to be like wrestling. You got to go one, two. I mean, there's got to be something the there. No, something. You still but, have the ball. But we'll we'll talk about that on Wednesday okay, and maybe right. try to create a controversy. All right. The big <laughs> thing is, this was the first game I felt like the Saints' offense met my expectations. Right, where you went, damn, okay. Run the ball, big plays in the pass game. Derek Carr let it fly a few times. They got creative with some of the things they did in the run game. I mean, I know they've been creative with, like, you know, Taysom Hill and having a package for him every game to a degree. Uh, but yeah, that was impressive. They kind of whooped the Colts' defense in a way that I haven't seen a lot of teams do it. 511 total yards of offense, 19 completions for over 300 yards, right? Kind of just tells you the day they were having. When they were completing the ball, it was for big plays. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had some runs, too, where they gashed them as well. Uh, but I think that was about as good as I've seen the Saints' look, offense look all year. Yeah, 19 completions for Derek Carr, over 300 yards. And, in fact... He is the first Saint with over 300 yards in three straight games wow. since our former colleague, Drew Brees. Yeah, I'm sure. So. 
2015 to 2016. So, but I want it as, like this, not 55 completions for 305 yes. yards, right? I mean, and, that, and then that's yelling to the Chris right. Olave, yeah, you know, that, intermittently. That, that's not cool. Definitely not cool. Um, yeah, they they ran for 160 in this game. So yeah, the Colts defense is certainly falling apart here a little bit. They've allowed 35 or more in the last three games in a row. Totally falling apart. It's all become their offense here as of late. You know, but uh, what I was impressed with this one, 17 to seven. Colts, right? They strip sack Derek Carr, and you're going, wow. You know, the Colts are running the ball. You know, Minshew, we know, has done some good things and playing right. And I'm going, they're, they're going to control this football game. And from that point on, you know, the Saints bounce right back, go on a long drive. Taysom Hill gets the touchdown run in the, in the Wildcat, and then get the ball back after, I want to say it was the. Maybe the Minshew interception, it might have not been. I might be a series earlier. But then the next drive is when they hit Shahid with the big pass, right? Yep. And they kind of never looked back from that point. And you kind of got the feeling that, man, I don't think the Colts are ever going to stop that offense throughout the day, and that pretty much held true. The Saints record 4-4, four and four, they're in the mix. They are in the mix. They definitely are in the mix, and I would say more dangerous than anybody else in the NFC South, just because of the offensive potential we've talked yeah. about, right? Yeah. The defense is good. I don't think it's as good as statistically it's ranked. You know, I kind of said this last week. I don't think they've played a lot of great offenses, uh, you know, because uh, we saw the Jaguars move the ball on them and all that. But, yeah, the Saints can be dangerous. Uh, th- that's one thing to watch here is can they keep this offense hot? One more game to talk about from Sunday. It was the first quarterback taken versus the second quarterback taken. Panthers versus the Texans, 15-13. to 13. Panthers get the win. Your headline for this game is? It is the Bryce is right. Oh. Yeah, you like that, Bob Barker? Now, that I know we've never R. used R. before. The great Bob Barker. Yes, I do the like Bryce that. is oh, love right. That. Love that show. Watch the Bryce is wrong, Stroud. <laughs> So, so we've never used this before, but I can guarantee we will use this many times in the future. I think so. We probably will. We'll probably beat it to death and never uh, want to hear it again. Your boy Varney says to us, damn okay, Bryce Young, 91-yard game-winning drive. Big-time drive. He Eats looked up good. the clock. He looked good this game. He really did. He, he made a few plays throughout the day where I went, damn, that was a throw there. Uh, he is slick. His ability to kind of move and shuffle and throw sidearms, find windows. He made one throw down the field at one point where he was kind of backpedaling and had somebody bearing down on him and threw like a corner route to the left. And I was, I, it was the first time all year I went, whoa, I can't believe his arm got it there with his body in that position, right? I, Bryce Nong is not always like, whoa, strong arm guy, right? He can make all the throws. I am impressed with his ability and his strength in his arm when he's in awkward positions. Hmm. That's where I think he really jumps out to me. But, yeah, good job by him. You know, was pretty consistent through the day. That last drive of the game where we give the damn okay by your boy Varney. Yeah. Right? The big fourth down completion to Adam Thielen. That was a huge moment in the game, certainly. And then I think the, the other thing that would be fair in this game, the Panthers defense. The Panthers defense is a handful. You know, they're another team, we talk about it a lot, are better than their, their statistical output because their offense has struggled. They've kind of, you know, the dam is broke towards the end of some football games there but today. But C.J. Stroud never looked comfortable in the game, and their run game for the Texans really not never got going either. Uh, it was about as arbitrary as that Texans offense had looked all year. 
First win of the year. Yeah, good for, for Bryce Carolina Young. Panthers. Way to go. I, I don't like to see a team go winless. You know, no, I, I had to suffer not. through Detroit Lions season like that, and it just it's not fun. So get that win so you don't have to talk yeah, about it Yeah, good for Frank Reich to get off the schneid there, off the bye week. Um, yeah, good, good, good job by, by Carolina. Carolina, uh, they're going to be a pain in the butt. They're going to win a few more as we go down the stretch here. That defense is too good. As Bryce Young gets comfortable, I think he'll make more and more plays. And that was Give Me the Headlines presented by Hyundai. Don't forget, we had a game Thursday. Your comments on the Buffalo Bills getting a win, their fifth win of the season, beating the Buccaneers 24-18. Yeah, well, it got a little too uncomfortably close at the end of the football game. That was another game of like, yeah, 24-18, but it felt like the Bills should have been up by three scores late in the football game, right? Uh, You know? Whether it's turnovers, missed opportunities down inside the five or ten yard line, and going for it on fourth down, uh, I think the most impressive thing. Hey, their defense looked good. You know, I know it let up some some plays and some yards later in the football game, but the other thing is maybe we're onto something. Can we spread the ball like we did in 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 Buffalo? You know, it was the first game I felt like. The first 10 passes of the game weren't to go to Stefan Diggs. It wasn't like, all right, pass number one, Diggs is the first read. Pass number two, Diggs is the first read. Pass number three, Diggs is the first read. Pass number four, we fake it to Diggs and throw a screen to somebody else, right? I mean, no, it, was, it actually felt like they came out and were like, no, oh, we're going to give Gabe Davis the number one read play, and you know, Shakir will get a play, and, and it all seemed to work the right way. Uh, spreading it around to where a defense can't just hone in on digs and stop Allen magic. And you know, I think they found a little semblance of a short passing game like we talked about. Mm-hmm. I think it's too late for them to become a real good running team, but maybe they can do like we talked about with Joe Burrow and the Bengals, where they can carve you up short pass game, and then Josh will find a few plays every game to throw a, a, a bomb or a laser down the field. Yeah, James Cook was okay in this he one. He was. It wasn't bad. Almost five yards to carry for him, but uh, yeah uh... – Another win for the Buffalo Bills. Game changer when Vita Vea didn't play. When he didn't yeah. play, I went, ooh. That's interesting. You know, we always talk about, oh, a big receiver's out, a big corner's out, a big pass rusher's out. We've got to start putting some of these guys in the middle yeah. in the same capacity. Vita Vea is a game wrecker. Josh Allen would not have as much time throwing the ball if Vita Vea was in the game, nor would have James Cooks ran through some of the holes he ran if Vita Vea was in the game. Some of these deep tackles – are we, we undervalue their importance to a football game oh, there. That was a big one. No, not, not on, on this not podcast. On this pod. I know that. You're right. When the not big butts that. are out, we need to note that. Yeah, People that's need right. need to talk about right. that. Right, no doubt. Uh, we got one more game to go. We do? My Lions are going to bounce back Oh, in a ferocious way. I would expect Restore them to. Restore the roar Restore against the, the Raiders roar. at home. Uh, that's what I'm hoping happens. Yeah. You think it'll happen? I definitely do. I think the, the Raiders are in a big bind on their, their defensive side versus your offense. You know, you've heard me say the Raiders don't have enough difference makers up front, you know, so I worry about them being able to stop the run. And then, okay, now we're going to load up on the run, and I would think Jared Goff and company have a field day throwing the ball too, right? Now, the only thing I'll say that's a little scary for you guys where I just go give the Raiders a hope, Jimmy Garoppolo is playing. Mm-hmm. You guys don't play a ton of man-to-man like we've been talking about and all that. And that's where McDaniels, Garoppolo, Devontae Adams pick you apart for 7 and 8 and 10 and 12. That could see them moving the ball on you guys a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep pace. I think ultimately your Lions win comfortably. 
Well, we will watch. Yes, we will watch. We know you'll be watching. I will be watching. I will be glued to the television for that one. Wow, we did it, and we at a good pace, too, I feel like. This was yeah, full slate of games. 23 games, it felt like. Full slate of games. Ahmed was out partying all last (laughs) night. I mean, he was buying shots at the bar for everybody. No, I was not doing that. (laughs) I know you're not. I was accepting them. (laughs) No. You're the man. Oh, but uh, hold on. We got got, got a news. Matt has a, you tweeted out something during our podcast. I did. I'm multitasker. Uh, You said, serious question. Would you have been okay if the Giants had kicked off to start overtime after winning the coin toss? Fifty-six percent of the people said yes. Said yes. Yeah, I, I think that was the feel of the game. I think that would have been the right thing. Like I said, that's hard to do. It is, uh, but uh, damn, I'm smart. That was a good tweet by me right there. That was good. I'm really now, good. Now I've got Matt's phone. I'm going to go check other things. Oh yeah, check it here. out. See what else see. he's doing. Yeah. Check his search history. Let's okay. check if he's acting accordingly <laughs> at work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, everybody, be good. You know where to find us. Keep sending them the questions. We're going to start hitting more of the Ask Me Anything stuff on Wednesday. We want to get the listeners more involved, but you know where to find us. Treasure Hunter, PG-13 version <laughs> on Wednesday. What the fuck happened? Our version on Wednesday. All right, check us out. Keep sending it in. Peace out. Subscribe, rate, review. Ahmed, thanks for driving the ship as always. Clap it up. Clap it up.